being made perfect. Perfected in him and by him. It seems too much if we think about it (laughs) or try and understand it. That's why we've been talking on this theme of the eternal world that builds Christ in us. The eternal world that builds perfection in us, given that he is the perfect one. It is him and his word, he is the word, that brings us into perfection. So we're going to continue on that theme this morning. I had the the name for this message before I had anything else. And it's called, May It Be Done To Me According To Your Word. Um, I never understood until this week when Greg would get up and say he was excited about what he had to bring. I was always happy to share. I felt privileged to share. Um, I knew that he had given me something to share. But I wouldn't have said I was excited by it. But as this, what he's been doing in me, and as this came together, when it all kind of dropped on Thursday morning, I was so excited I honestly thought, I don't know if I can wait till Sunday. I'm so excited. And then I thought, is that like a good thing, Lord? Like, does that mean I'm carrying this in a way that I shouldn't be? And he gave me this picture of what it's like. It's like, say I was spending time with Chris, and he said to me, hey, I've got a gift for Terry, and I know you're going to see him soon. Can you give it to me for him? Give it to him for me. And he shows you the gift, and you're just in complete awe. You're like, oh my goodness, that is, I would never have thought of giving him that, something that amazing. And so there's this sense that you just can't wait, because it's, it's for me too, but it's, it's this gift from the king to you guys, the royal priesthood. And it just leaves me in awe even more of him and how much he loves us and how much he bothers and how much it's not a kind of a anything goes kind of a just get up and say something thing. It is absolutely not that at all. So I am excited. My excited might look a bit different to Greg's excited, but (laughs) it's good there's one of each of us. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what he said to me when he was starting to talk to me about this, the eternal word that builds Christ in us, is we often ask the question, how? And that's an okay question if what we're asking is not how do I, but how does he? Because as soon as we ask how do I, we're back into there's something I need to do to get myself perfected. Whereas when we ask, how does he, he starts to show us his ways, which are really, really different ways, and then we can cooperate with how he does things. So we've been hearing about this, well, for ages, but um, just want to recap a little bit on the beautiful message Sandra brought last Sunday morning, where she talked about analytical living, as she described it. So a God-given hunger and thirst for the Lord and for righteousness being worked out by trying to understand and do. And she described 
the frustration and the lack and the anger that came with trying to come into the thing that God had given her to hunger and thirst at through herself and her ways of trying to understand. And then the beautiful process where the Lord helped her to come to realize that it's not about us trying to change ourselves and become what he's describing. It's about us coming to him and walking with him and letting him change us the way that he does that. And in that, our lives are changed. But the changed life isn't the thing we do. The changed life is the thing that comes from walking with him. And then last Sunday night, Sam talked about the difference between being set free and being made free. So the word says that we will know the truth and the truth will make us free. So knowing Christ, the truth, will make us free. And he talked about the difference between what he described as being set free, so good things, divine encounters with the Lord, where he heals us or he shows us his love or he turns up in a situation for us, and that sets us free, something outside of us changes. And that absolutely, I've had millions of those, and that's awesome. But he said that's not the, the end, that's not the purpose. The purpose is being made free. So the purpose is allowing the Lord to change us on the inside so that we can be perfected and become like him. Healing our hearts, renewing our thinking, and from that again. The changed life is an outcome, not an input. It's not about changing your life so you can be a Christian. Being a Christian, the way he intends it changes our lives. So we're going to keep talking about this. So I think if you don't read the word of God and feel quite overwhelmed and awestruck in who he says the church is, then that would be a bit surprising to me. The things that he describes, who we are meant to be, perfected in love, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, a royal priesthood. If you look at your life and you read that, and it doesn't cause you to go, wow, that's amazing. That's interesting, I guess. Um, but it's easy. I think there's one of two things we can do, or there's three things, but two of them not that helpful. One of them is to read that down, to, to minimize it and go, that's a, for the future, for someone else. The other one is to feel really burdened by it which is essentially what Sandra was describing last week, and go, oh, I, I know in me that that, that that is possible, but I can see the gap and I just feel burdened and I don't know how to get there. And neither of those are the response he's looking for. Neither of those are his way. His way, as we've been hearing, is to come to him and to let him change us and teach us and bring us into this. So we're going to look at the very beginning of Luke today and some people who were confronted with the absolutely impossible and pull apart that for some keys on this, how does he accomplish the impossible. So let's start in Luke 1.26. This will be a story we all know well. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, 
Greetings, favoured one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be called Great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, And she was called barren, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we're going to look at a few things in here. Starting at verse 28. And noting how Mary was greeted by this angel. Greetings, favoured one. The Lord is with you. Did you know that's whenever he's talking to you, he's greeting you like that. Even if he doesn't say it, he's always looking at you like that. And so even when he's saying things that are uncomfortable to you, it starts from that place. Highly favoured of the Lord, royal priesthood, sons. It's interesting to me that um, Mary's obviously a bit interested about that too because she, it says that she was perplexed and wondered what kind of salutation this was. doesn't say why, but I wonder if sometimes for us, even when he does say that really directly to us, if we're kind of a bit like, me? Are you talking to the right person? His interactions with us always start with who he sees us to be, which is not lack or problem, or sin, highly favoured children of the Most High. Verse 34, so he says this is going to happen. You're going to conceive a child as a virgin. And she says, how can this be, since I'm a virgin? And do you know what's awesome about that? Is that it's okay to ask that question. So she's correct that that's an unseen impossible thing and actually it's okay to recognize that like it's okay to read the word and go that's the gap between how I live and what this describing is really big how can this be given me (laughs) it's okay to ask God questions but look at this next exchange so go to um, verse 35 the angel's response is The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So the answer is, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. (laughs) This word overshadow interested me. Usually when we talk about that, we're talking about someone making us feel less. They're overshadowing me now, I feel less important because they're cooler than me. Um, that is one dictionary meaning of it, to cast gloom over. But the other meaning is to exceed in importance or prominence. So this greater thing is going to come and it's going to make this impossible thing 
happen, and it's actually going to happen. An actual person is going to be born. Everyone's going to see it. Okay, so that was the answer. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. And here's the, Mary's response is the key here. So verse 38. She says, Behold the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. So I think for a lot of us, that's, that wouldn't be considered a very good explanation. So I'm calling you to this. How's it going to happen? Holy Spirit's going to do it. <laughs> but what made Mary beloved, I think, is that she said, so the bond slave of the Lord, the one who freely yields their will to the will of another, says, okay, I accept that, let it be. So it's okay to ask how, but I think a lot of the hows we're asking, he's saying the answer is the Holy Spirit will do it. And we're saying, but how? And he's saying the Holy Spirit will do it. (laughs) And we're saying, but how? And actually, I think sometimes he's saying you don't want to (laughs) know. Beautiful, eh? And then the angel departed. That was it. Nothing. Mary didn't do anything else. She just agreed. And then this occurred. So we're going to um, contrast that to Zacharias's story. Now, initially, I wasn't going to intending to share this because I thought we don't need to share about the guy who got it wrong. But what the Holy Spirit said to me is, look for the hope in that story. There's more to that story than what I'd seen. So let's have a look at this. From Luke 1 from verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a man named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren and they were advanced in years. Now, it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The people were waiting for Zechariah. I know, I missed a paragraph, oopsie. Key paragraph. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. 
But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they'd realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, his wife became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon, with favor upon me to take away my disgrace from among men. So a couple of points here. If you look at verse 13, Zechariah had been praying for a son. He wanted this. He'd been petitioning the Lord for it. And an angel turns up and says, your prayer's been answered. Just made me wonder how many times we're praying for something and the Lord turns up. And we don't recognize that it's him turning up to answer the desire of our heart. And then if you look in verse 18, Zechariah, Zacharias, so many Z people in the Bible, Zacharias saw that this was out of the ordinary too. It was actually less out of the ordinary. So he was a priest. He would have known about Abraham and Sarah. He would have known about a woman well past her age bearing a child. Um, but still out of the ordinary. The difference is that his question was a bit different. So Mary's question was kind of a, how's this going to happen question? Whereas his question was, prove it to me. So he says, how will I know this for certain? And there's a sense, because um, the angel talks about because of your unbelief. It's about the heart that was trying to get God to prove himself rather than taking God at his word. And we can, I think sometimes we can relate to this passage and go, oh, he had an angel turn up. Oh, I've never had an angel turn up. It's never been that clear to me. Um, but I actually wonder if, if Zacharias was here, he'd probably say, yeah, but guys, you've got the whole word of God. <laughs> you've got the indwelling Holy Spirit. You've got a body equipped with spiritual gifts. Actually, you've got quite a bit of stuff that I didn't have too. <laughs> So it's just an example of how we can say, oh, I haven't had an angel. If I had an angel, I'd believe. But actually, if our heart's not believing, it doesn't matter. <laughs> our heart's not believing. <laughs> and so it was this unbelief, the angel says, his unwillingness to take God at his word that he was rebuked for. And look at the consequence. So God came to say something was going to happen. So it was going to happen. He didn't... The, John was still born, because that was foretold. But Zacharias didn't get to fully participate in that. He couldn't speak for a season. That was the consequence. So let's look at the hope, though. So if you can now go to after John's born. Verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. 
And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them. And all these matters were being talked about in the hill country of Judea. All who heard him kept them in mind saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. So here's the hope. There was another opportunity for Zacharias to come into agreement with what the Lord had said. It would have been, we probably don't understand how unusual it would have been for that child to have not been named after him or someone in the family line. So this would have still been a stepping out for him. But when he did, he was fully restored, fully able to participate again in the purposes of God. And if you read on, after the bit I've just read, there is this beautiful piece where Zacharias prophesies over his son in agreement with what the Lord had foretold, and that is recorded for all history. So this guy, who sometimes we tell the bit of the story about how his unbelief ankle tapped him, it did for a season, but there was another chance. Always another chance. So let me tell you about how this has been playing out in my life. (laughs) How he's been calling me up and how there's been a process of letting him make me free by being prepared to accept what it is that he was saying to me rather than trying to figure it out, live by my feelings, diagnose what I thought was happening. So I guess for a couple of months, the best description I've got of it is I was just feeling out of sorts, particularly out of sorts here. Nothing particularly the matter, but just frustrated and irritated and out of sorts is the best way to describe it. And when these thoughts came to mind, the one thing and the only thing the Lord would say is, you're not less, Joe, you're different. And I was like, I know. I've spoken about that. <laughs> you know, like, I understand about the body of Christ and how there's different parts and da-da-da. So, you know, in my heart of hearts, I knew, obviously, I needed to listen to him, but I just couldn't see the connect. So for a bit, I just didn't and let myself kind of spiral around for a bit. But then, as he does, and, and when we do that, our hearts start to harden towards him. So I could still hear him, but my heart was hardening. And there's this, this is how... This is a demonstration of how he works anywhere. Um, we went to see Mamma Mia 2, which was awesome. <laughs> and he said to me as we went, and I was feeling average, and he said, um, look for me in this movie. And then there's this piece in the movie, if you've seen it, where this pregnant mother sings this song over her unborn child called I've Been Waiting For You. And it's the song of promise and love and complete lack of expectation, just this, I am just rejoicing that you will be here. And it just, it just melted me again. It was like he was singing over me, I'm not waiting for you to do anything else. I waited for the day you were born. I saw you before the beginning of time and I rejoice over you as you are, as you were, as you will be. And I tell you that because I think any time when he's trying to take us forward, it starts from the platform of his absolute love for us 
And if we see it, so it was almost like this hardening of heart had led me to hear, you're not less you're different through some I'm going to have to do something lens, as opposed to a statement of identity and who he saw me to be. So important that we know that he's always speaking to us through that lens of who, you know, he rejoices over us. He created us. He sees us. So that, if you think back to Mary's story, that was the almost like the let it be according to your word moment. The moment where I said, okay, I don't understand. I don't even think I don't know this, but let it be. And that was literally the prayer. Let it be according to your word, Lord as my walls came down. And then there's been this process, as Sam described it, a part of the making free process. When I was writing this down, it doesn't even, it's not even like a logical, I can't tell you how all these things fit together because they don't in a logical sense, but they do in him. Some things that now that I could hear, he started to speak over me. So he, he talked to me about how my need for approval meant that I was prepared to say some things and not other things, for example, because it was more important to me, the approval of man was more important to me than being fully who I was in him. And he talked to me about how that's actually conformity, dressed up as submission. (laughs) Interesting. He talked to me, he said to me, Joe, I've given you away with words and you bury it. And what he meant was, if it's called on, you'll use it, but that's different from flowing in it all of the time and recognising it as part of my ministry through you. Um, Yeah, that was interesting. And then we had a discipleship group. One of the topics was around spiritual gifts, and if something irritates you a lot, there's a chance that he's trying to speak to you through it. And this this topic did irritate me um, because I had overbalanced, I guess. I had gone from, I've seen people get identity from spiritual gifts. I've seen them become the purpose. I've seen them divide people. I think that if I just grow in Christ, that's enough. That will all be revealed. That was my confidently stated position. And it was awesome in group because we discussed, it was like, well, they are in the Bible, so, you know, it does suggest that he's told us about them for some kind of reason. And again, it was just one of those moments where I had to go, actually, maybe I don't know like I think I do, and let him start to redefine where the real plumb line was on this matter. And then he started to talk to me about the scripture in Matthew where it says, let your light shine, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they will see the good that you do and give glory to your Father in heaven. And I was like, ah, doesn't say make your light shine. So it's not about doing a thing. But why does he say let if it's automatic? There's something that has to be allowed here. So all of this, all of those unrelated but related in him things took me to a place where I had to come to repentance and say, Lord, I have been holding back. I didn't know I was. I wasn't free to not, in a sense. This is the piece about being made free. There was entanglement I didn't know about. That's not a problem. He will deal with that. Where we get more entangled is where we won't let him, because we're like, no, I know about spiritual gifts, and I know about this, and that's problematic. 
And then there was just this one where he puts an opportunity in front of you. I was at a, a meeting in a work context where it looked, lots of people at the table didn't look like there were enough seats. I was like, oh, that's fine. I can sit in the back row because that's quite happy, probably rather. And then there was this empty seat that just goaded me for the whole meeting. I was just, it was like this prophetic picture of what was happening because this wasn't a party table or even an eating table. This was a working table. There was business to be transacted. And in the middle of the meeting, I just got up and sat at the seat. I was like, I can't bear it anymore. I can't bear to look at this seat. <laughs> it didn't actually matter in the meeting. It was about what he was doing. And it was like in that through all of that, I'm just freer. Not like doing more stuff, different stuff, thinking I need to do more stuff and different stuff. But there's just this clarity, this power, this confidence in him that has come from saying, I don't even think it's an issue what you're saying about you're not less, you're different, but I will acknowledge that you're saying it and I'll say, let it be according to your word in me. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so just in case. Yes. <laughs> so we're just going to look at one more scripture out of the beautiful book of Ephesians. We'll start from verse 14 but I'll just tell you a little bit about what happens before verse 14. So before verse 14, the Paul has just talked about the, now is this, the, there's so many mysteries, the mystery of Christ, which has been hidden until now. And he says, to me, Paul, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So again, this impossible, outrageous, it's all about Christ and the church statement. But then it's interesting to see, so what does Paul pray when he's just unveiled this? What's his prayer? So from verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the, work power, to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, same thing, impossibleness of being filled to the fullness, to the full stature of God. How? Verse 20. To him 
who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. His power working in us can do more than we can fathom. But it is his power working in us, not us, not our power working on us, for example, or <laughs> other kind of wrong-minded versions we get. feel like, or I know for some of us, that he wants to give us an opportunity to come into agreement with what what we really know in our heart of hearts he's been saying to us, and that if we're really honest, we've been saying, prove it. We haven't been saying, I don't agree, but we have been saying, prove it. Tell me one more time, tell me a different way. I'm not sure. And the consequence of that, as it was for Zacharias, is not that you're not in the family of God, it's not that you're not loved, but it does mean that you can't fully participate in what he's doing, not fully functioning as he would intend in the family of God. And that's okay. Because we saw in Zacharias' story that it just took one word. <laughs> it just took, let it be, I agree with what the Father told me. For him to be fully restored. So I want to invite you today, if you know in your heart of hearts that that's you, if you know that you know what he's been saying to you, but you're waiting for him at the same time as he's waiting for you to say, yes, <laughs> make me free. To be bold enough to respond to that today. Some of the things that he's saying, you'll probably be feeling like that's too basic. I can't like admit <laughs> that, I don't, that I need to agree that he fully accepts me or that he has great plans for me. Don't worry about it. I've just stood up here and told you that I wasn't fully in something that I exhorted you guys into three months ago, okay? So that's not shame on me. That's glory to him and lucky me. (laughs) So please don't feel dumb. He's for you. He wants this for you. So if you know there's something like that for you, something specific or something that you just know about, he's speaking about his love for you, then we're going to give you an opportunity to respond and have that response witnessed today. So what might get you to come? Where's Mr. Jaden? Can you just come and play? What we're going to invite you to do is just to come forward and just speak out your agreement with what it is that you know that he is and has been speaking over you. And I'm going to ask the elders to come and agree with you on that. The reason that I sense to do it this way is that the elders 
God has given them a grace and a function to cover us as a family. And I just sense that as they agree and affirm what it is that you are agreeing with God with, that there will be a sealing and a cementing of that thing. So simple. If it was my situation, it would literally just be about saying, I know that God's saying, I'm not less, I'm different. I don't understand why he's saying that, but I agree with him. Might be, I just have these words, you'll love again. It feels like there's, that might mean something to somebody. Your oaks of righteousness, planted for the display of his splendor. You're a royal priesthood. You're called, you're chosen. So, Father, I just thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that your, your great plans are for us. Not for you, but for us. Your great love for us. And I just say again, Lord, in my life, let it be according to your word. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters too that we would all find and live from this place of let it be according to your word.